We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. Hey there, my name is Ricky Smith, and I'm the founder of Random Acts of Kindness Everywhere, a nonprofit that simply does exactly what it says, promote kindness everywhere. We know the world is crazy right now. If you are searching for a podcast that has a deeper conversation about race, my co-host Angel Gray and I will be discussing everything going on right now on our podcast, Random Acts of Podcast on Blue Wire Podcast Network. To find out more, go to rakenow.org. Enjoy the show. What up, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. It has been what I feel like is a long week, so it's great to sit back down and talk to you guys. Today, we're touching on boxing and UFC because we did pro wrestling earlier in the week. Yes, some stuff has happened. I really liked NXT this past week. We'll get into that on our show to kick off next week. I'm sure me and the old man would disagree on some things that happened. I may have been a little overly hype. We'll see if that wears down by the time we have our next show. But to kick off this show, I wanted to start because, you know, it's 2020. I've, I've turned over a new leaf. I feel like I am a big enough man to say, Dre... I am halfway walking back one of my most famous hot takes. And I'm doing it on air. Because at first I was just going to leave it in a group chat. Uh But I'm putting it on wax. I must say, to Pimp a Butterfly, has replay value in times like this. See, now I'm quantifying. So it doesn't have replay value all the time. But I did go back and listen to tracks because of the climate that we are in. So 
then that means it has replay value. So I'll give you that. Is it a classic? Probably still not a classic to me, but it does have replay value. I went back, I was bumping King Kuta, uh, what, Black of the Berry. There's some, there's good tracks on it. It's not a bad album by any means. So, uh, you know, it's still good. Kendrick doesn't make bad stuff. And this is the time where it has replay value. So I walk back one of my best hot takes. You sound like a corporate Black Lives Matter statement. (laughs) In the time of need, we're standing with our brothers because it sounds good to say so. Listen, man, the album's been a classic. It's always going to be a classic. It's one of the most significant albums of all time. It doesn't take a uh, protesting nation world, a protesting world for it to be dope. I know in times like this, you can turn it up a little bit more, but it's still dope. So, yeah, I kind of sort of appreciate you walking back this hot take. Um, but <laughs> it was I'm, sincere though. Like, don't I didn't write a press release for it. It was a sincere statement. Yeah, this yeah. is the first time that I really wanted to go back and listen to it, and then I was like, "Fuck! All right, he got me." Yeah. Because when this popped off, it was like, okay, like you know, it puts you, you know, there's days where it puts you in the mood, like, yo, I gotta listen to some some real political, super black stuff. Like, I just want to listen to that shit. I'm in that mood. Like, people got me going on Twitter. And it took me about two songs deep to be like, fuck, I want to listen to some Kendrick. And this is what popped up. So as soon as that happened, I was like, fuck, it got replay value. And that was just the truth. It was never whack. It just, to me, never had replay value. This showed me like, ah, this is the moment it's made for. And these moments are never going to stop, unfortunately. Right? There's never going to be a moment... Like, this is not the last moment in my life, in our lifetime, where we are part of the movement, where we're pushing the narrative, where I wake up one day and be like, yo, I'm just in some real super pro-black type mood. Like, I want to listen to this shit, and it's one of my go-tos. So then I was like, all right, cool. I got to walk it back. Good. Glad you walked it back. It's about damn time. Yeah, yeah. Man, that was such a good hot take, though. It was Boy, not a good hot take. The, the crowd at our live show, when I said that, shit went crazy. They booed you like Riley Freeman did. Yeah, like, my Shawn Michaels is better than Bret Hart hot take was like, okay, some people saw it, some people didn't. I mentioned to Pimple Butterfly, it was no one in the room on my side. No. Big Mac, every now and then, was like, all right, you're, you're right here. But very, very few and far between. And, and we've seen Big Mac go full, full heel. So now he's, he's one of, of my people. So that doesn't even count anymore. But yeah. I say that to say this, is that I had like a whole playlist going. Apple Music has created a playlist. Um, I, I think Spotify might have one as well. But it got me thinking. It's like, yo, what are your top three? Shit is getting political songs i put this in a rundown in quotes what are your top three shit is getting political Mm. like when you just gotta get into that mood what are your three like yo i gotta throw this on it just makes me want to go crazy and fucking protest outside uh i mean fight the power obviously yeah i mean you gotta go with public enemy um that's on my list as well it's just classic yeah the same year this this, a song drop fuck the police that's also fitting for times like this, NWA. The third spot is kind of up in the air because I don't really know where to go with it. It's either, I mean, there's songs like uh, the classics like Say It Loud and Black and I'm Proud by James Brown. 
There's something more recent like Kendrick's All Right or Fuck Donald Trump by YG or <laughs> Land of the Free by Joey Badass. Um, man, there's like Words I Never Said, Lupe, which is, I think, a really underrated song. Super underrated. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, those, those songs occupy that other spot. Um, 911's a joke. Anything Public Enemy. Make you want to tear some shit up. And, like, the entire Run the Jewels catalog as well. Makes you just want to flip over tables. All right. So, I didn't even think of Run the Jewels. Really enough, but I played the whole new album. So, I don't know why it wasn't on my mind when I was playing, yo, shit is getting political type music. But you mentioned Fight the Power. The Lupe song, because I'm super into Lupe. Talking about recent stuff. Uh, Royce the 5'9 is in there. And I feel like we've been bumping that that same track off the last album just since it came out, really. Black Savages, like that yeah. shit, that shit's just crazy. Uh, it still brings a tear to my eye that he couldn't do the walkout with that. I know, man. <laughs> just, you know, there's some people are listening, like, what are you talking about? That was the, it was either Black Savages or something off of the album that uh, Royce was going to, well, the plan was for Royce the Five Nine to walk out Sean Porter for the Errol Spence fight to a song off of the allegory, and, and Royce was leaning towards Black Savages, um, but yeah, didn't end up working out. So there's that. Yeah, that shit knocks so tough. But my other two spots, if I had to go top three, Fight the Power, uh, Childish Gambino, This Is America, yeah, that's a with the video, yeah. Like I, I've watched that so many times this past two weeks. And then the last one is Police State by Dead Prez. That's a good one. That's a good one. Anything Dead Prez in this time works perfectly. Absolutely. But Police State, I'm telling you, just made me want to go outside and start flipping shit over. And that video is crazy. That video is crazy. And yeah, Dead Prez, they often get forgotten about. I mean, everybody... at one time or another, we'll still play hip hop occasionally, but yeah, Dead Prez just man, those they ooh, stick man and M one had some heat. They yeah, heat. it's weird because I do feel like they get forgotten. Um, when I think of Dead Prez, first thing I think of is that Dave Chappelle movie, Block Party. Yeah, where they came out and they just fucking crushed it. But yeah, it, just in the grand scheme, it's like yo, this is the mood I get into, you know, when I wanna do some political shit and then I threw on some Onyx and MOP when I just veered into I, I need to start breaking shit territory yeah that's fair because MOP and uh, Onyx there's nothing political about anything no. that they do it's just some I just feel like breaking shit today so <laughs> that's it but you know you go through phases so you start at like the Kendrick play it all right and like shit with messages I played uh, some J. Cole even though I play like Get Off My Dick by J. Cole, but the videos, you know, themed properly. And, uh, you know, you start off with like super lyrical shit, run the jewels. And then by the end, you're just so ramped up where you're like, yo, I just need to play some, I'm just breaking shit music. Yeah. So that's, 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 that's where I fell on this spectrum. <laughs> MOP, MOP is, a. Uh, I learned a long time ago, well, it still holds true today, it's scare white people music. <laughs> it is like play MOP in just a random environment and watch wh- white people scurry it is a fun thing to do <laughs> I'm just wondering where you were where you were around white people and then automatically your brain said fuck it I want to listen to MOP 
Nah, it's not yeah, even that connection. Just doesn't even make sense to me. It doesn't. It's not even like <laughs> I want to listen to it. I'm like already listening to it. My wife tells me this all the time. I play my music loud, like I just got a car. Like when I was 16, I played my music loud. I played my music loud, really loud today, like ignorantly loud. And you've seen where I live. I live in the burbs. I live in a yeah. gated community by a golf course, and I pull up in my housing community every day with my music dumb loud. So there are times where I'll just be playing like Annie up and I was like, you know, there's lots of old white people and shit. And they just look like in, you know, and I could, I know what they're looking at. And my wife is always embarrassed. She's like, turn that shit down. You're you acting stupid. And I'm like, this is just me. This is the music I play. Like, I understand. I don't want to scare these white people, but sometimes you just got to scare some white people. So HOA is going to be on your ass. Well, yeah, it hasn't happened yet, uh, but yeah, HOA suck, by the way, but uh, yeah, man, I always play my music loud, and I always play, like, especially at times like this, like, I, I'll go to Costco to get gas, because Costco's got, like, dumb cheap gas, and, you know, I'm that guy, like, I get out of my car, my windows are down, and my music's loud, that's just the way it is, and I got, what was, I was playing Run the Jewels at Costco, and, you know, I live in the burbs, and all these white people are, like, looking, like, leaning around looking, and it's just, like, Killer Mike just going off, and I'm like, yeah, this is how it's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, I'm here to make your ass uncomfortable. Yes, there is comfort <laughs> in your uncomfortable. So, deal with it. That's I'm that same guy. I, I'm the same guy. And the more ignorant, the better. Yeah, I But I, I play ignorant shit at gas stations, like Cardi B. <laughs> like just just some wildness where people are like yo what did she just say and I'd be like yup I don't even care just straight filth at gas stations so I, I'm on board with that there's nothing wrong with blasting your music in random places um, yeah man that was the first thing on my mind I was like let me ask Dre what his you know top three political songs are but now that we've gotten that out of the way it's time to talk combat sports I feel like this is the earliest We've gotten into combat sports in like a month. Yeah, so going on. Yeah, we're 12 minutes into the episode, and we get to talk boxing. Um, it's still pretty cool because it's a lot people can relate to. I feel like boxing, now that it's back, the UFC had its turn. Boxing is now more in the forefront of sports for like the next week until baseball figures their shit out and the NBA you know, puts the final stamp on the date when they'll return. But I feel like boxing has this little window that it's now presented us with, we talked about Mike Tyson coming back and those rumors. Uh, Floyd Mayweather last week set out a challenge to Conor McGregor. It's like, yo, if you're not retired, I'll be here if you want to go again. Which I know makes you so happy. Uh, please. <laughs> Listen, there's less, less people because of the Rona will be in the arena. How would, dude... The tickets will be twenty thousand dollars. That's what I'm you saying. can't drop the price. And nobody's gonna like. I'm. I'm not saying nobody's gonna go, but the average American is not paying to see a rematch of an ass whooping again at extraordinarily high prices. Floyd, man, stop. Just cut it out. Quit playing. <laughs> Floyd just wants to see Connor fight. I'm just convinced. Like, I'm convinced that fight happened because Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor in return are fans of each other. And they were just like, you know what? We're going to make this handshake deal and give each other a lot of money because everyone else is stupid. But I'm a fan of yours, and you are a fan of mine. And we both like money. 
I don't think Floyd's a fan of anything except for money. So I think I think Floyd's a fan of the way Conor goes about, markets himself, and sees a lot of similarities. Because it makes him money. I don't think there's anything else to it. I don't think Floyd looks at Conor and is like, man, you're cool. Like, I just think he just admires, not even admires, he's just like, man, there's a lot of money to be made here. That's it. That's he respects that he knows how to make himself money. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I just don't, I don't ever want to see that fight again. <laughs> how many times have you watched the first fight? What? Have you watched it since we went? No. No. <laughs> I think I watched the, the finish like once. No. I watched it on uh, ESPN. We showed it twice during the hiatus. Uh, I, I did watch it. it on ESPN, so I watched it twice. Okay. Yeah, yeah I watched it. And I was like, Connor hit him with one good punch. Yeah, the uppercut, which actually uppercut. Hit, hit Floyd's chest before it hit his chin, which, come on. I mean, not many people get to hit Floyd in the chest, so that's, that's I guess, uh, A for effort, consolation prize. I don't know. Um, the fight I wanted to talk about today to kick off the show is talks between your company, my company, eventually. But right now, it is Fury and Anthony Joshua, and started by Eddie Hearn, saying that the plans and the basis of a contract are in place and agreed to. Which no one's really disputed, but that headline took on just a life of its own. Like, yo, they're fighting in 2021, and uh, just to real quick recap what was said Eddie Hearn said 2021 two fights agreed on Joshua and Fury which is okay automatic rematch no different than this Wilder contract from this last time but there's things like mandatories which you love to bring up and there's a lot of hurdles still to get there oh by the way both of these guys have fights coming up that they would have to win but the boxing world in general don't care about these things. They are hyped to hear that we might get an undisputed heavyweight champion. What are the chances this breaks the right way? Um, 50-50, I think. I Ooh, think 50-50, okay. uh, and a lot of it is going to... Here's what I think is going to happen. Um, Fury will have to beat Wilder, which I personally I think he can do again. Yep. Fury, I mean, Joshua will beat Pulev. Usyk will step aside. They'll pay him to step aside. They're gonna have to. There's it's for it's, a year till 2022. I mean, dog, he just had one heavyweight fight. You <laughs> so, see, I don't, I agree. I don't think he deserves it, but for some reason, he believes it. Yeah, but the the point is, is that like, if Joshua fights Pulev before the year is over in the fall. The Usyk fight would probably, well, late fall, early winter, because Josh was recovering from that knee injury. He's got to train. We're in June now. So, yeah, realistically, September, October. The Usyk fight can't happen until, at like, February. And Usyk will probably end up fighting Derek Chisora before that. So, that, so even Fe- February is even ambitious as hell. And if that were to happen, and Joshua wins, which is no gimme, Against Alexander Usyk, at all, no. But if he were to win, then you got to jump into another camp to prepare for the biggest fight of your life against Tyson Fury, which means those two fights would have to happen in June and December. I think is the only way that happens because if if Fury's fighting Wilder, as Mark Kriegel stated, December nineteenth. Yep. I think Fury can sit back, relax. 
Maybe he fights Dillian White. I doubt it. Um, but maybe just stay in shape. And then that fight has to happen in June. But, man, it's, it's so ambitious. I think there's just a lot going on. Plus, I mean, it, and if it happens by then, hopefully this whole coronavirus pandemic clears up and they'll find a place to do where they can have fans so they don't have to go to some weird bumfuck place. I mean, look, man, I don't mind traveling because I haven't gone anywhere since March 7th <laughs> at all. Like, I haven't done anything but go to the grocery store. But... Man, I don't really want to go to a, like take another twenty-hour flight to another country. I'm not too thrilled with that idea, especially no. with this like pandemic. I'm you're okay. telling me you're not going to Fight Island? What? They, no, they We're talking they, about that later. In the show. Man, they sent that damn email. I looked at that shit. They was like, "We need to know by tomorrow." I was like, "Get the fuck out! I'm not going to Fight Island. There's no way." And then plus, I mean, come on, twenty-four hours notice. Complete, complete transparency. I mean. A lot of companies, including ours, have had furloughs. The last thing they want to do is spend some last-minute money to send me to Abu Dhabi for at least a week. Because there's no way that I can go out there and just come back and then they have to be quarantined and all that shit. Like, Bet you a good amount of media members get sent or petition I, to get sent. I don't know who's going to have that kind of money. Like MMA fighting isn't going to cut off a lot of people. I know Junkie will be there because John Morgan goes to everything. Maybe Ioli goes from Yahoo. Um, but duh, I really don't see people forking over the cat like companies forking over that kind of money to send reporters to Abu Dhabi. That ain't cheap. No, not at all. So yeah, John Morgan will be there because he goes through everything. Even if it was on his own dime, he'd be there. Outside of that, like I said, maybe Ioli maybe Yahoo sends Ioli because it's that big. But even then, it's Abu Dhabi. And then on top of that, it's 122 goddamn degrees in Abu Dhabi. I don't want to go. Even if I could go, I'd be like, no, thank you. In the summer? Are you nuts? I don't want to die. Yeah, that's hot as hell. Outside, in an outdoor arena, two guys fighting. I, I remember talking to, like, Esther Lin and a few other people that went to Saudi Arabia in the summer for whatever UFC card that was. It might have been court. No, that was Abu Dhabi. Poirier Khabib. And I remember Yeah, and that was September. Yeah, and I remember Brett tweeting that he was sweating. And I remember I talked to Esther and Casey when they came back. And they was like, dude, you just sweated from the time that you left your room. So you were just sweating like profusely for hours. So no, I'm absolutely not going. Anyway, Joshua Fury I think is something that's that it's realistic. I think it's fifty fifty these guys win their fights. I I think I'm speaking completely out of turn here because I have no idea where we're going with this. But I think it'd have to be a top-ranked zone pay-per-view, the first one. I would agree with no inside knowledge of it, but I, I would believe both would have to be. You have to justify those purses, so it'd be. Oh, here's you how know, you justify through the streaming apps. Here's how you justify then, the, the purses. Site oh, fees. No. That's how you like. That's why the fight will end up in another country. Like the reason why the yeah. zone was able to do Joshua versus Ruiz in Saudi Arabia. It's because they paid a lot of money to hold that fight. So they didn't even need pay-per-view after that. Like, we still streamed it on The Zone. It was on Sky Sports on pay-per-view. Cool. I mean, they got ridiculous amounts of money. Deep pockets. So if one of those places want to pony up the cash, the the second fight could be on The Zone if that's the deal that they want to strike. I don't know. But I feel like the first one should be on pay-per-view because it'll be that big. 
I don't know how big the rematch will be, and depending on how the first fight goes. But one of those fights should be on pay per view. But if it, but if it's on if it's if it's a pay per view fight, that probably means it happens in the states at a stadium. Yeah, I think Tyson Fury mentioned it tonight on our broadcast. He was talking um, to Tessator, and he said it'd be the perfect fight for Allegiant Stadium. Yeah, and I was like. Let's do it. I was like, say less. I'm, I'm, I'm down. That stadium is beautiful in Vegas, and I, th- I think in the off season of football, maybe not during the seasons, but in those spring months, uh, those summer months when it's super hot outside and you can control the temperature, it'll become a destination for boxing because boxing is just so used to being in Vegas as is. To now have a venue like that where you can pack in that many people, it, it's the best of both worlds. If you're looking for a mega fight of that caliber. Obviously, not everyone can pack that stadium. No, not at all. And I hate for people to try and be thoroughly disappointed. But, yeah, I mean, that that makes a lot of sense. We'll just, that's it, man. It's, it's a lot of hurdles you got to get over to make that fight. It's a lot. Those two guys got to win. But uh, I'm happy they're at least trying something. Yeah. Is it disrespectful to Deontay Wilder? No. He'll, he'll take it as disrespect and he'll use it as fuel. He, he should. <laughs> but I think the thing is this. Boxing fans don't give a fuck. What boxing fans want to hear is fights that they want to see get made. And the idea that a fight is, is being made is, is what they want more than anything. They don't care about logistics. That's what gets the news cycle going. So Deontay, he should just use it as fuel. But it's like... Deontay should strike a deal. Like, that's what he should have done. That's what PBC should have done. And they didn't do that. So they need to figure that part out um, to get the deal done. But it's, it's, it's what boxing needs to stir up the news cycle. That, like, MMA does a good job of that with fighters just talking shit and talking about possible fights being made. That's the way it needs to go. But it's not disrespectful. He shouldn't feel that. I mean, he should feel that way. He should use it heading into the fight. But he shouldn't be that upset. See, I think it's disrespectful. Like, Fury did this to Otto Valin, right? Like, Otto Valin. Like, now you look at Deontay Wilder and you say he's Otto Valin? No. The guy lost one fight, arguably before, in the first match, he had Tyson Fury on the ropes. Should have knocked him out. Fury came back like the Undertaker, and then came into a fight forever for whatever reason. His legs were not there. It didn't look like his legs were there, and then he took an ass whooping. But plenty of people take an ass whooping. We, uh, it's the cool thing to idolize Ali. I, Ali took ass whoopings, came back, and then handed him back out. It's heavyweight boxing. It, it's it's so hard to be undefeated in heavyweight boxing. The stats say Tyson Fury is going to take an L sooner or later. Sure, but who cares? So it's it is it's tough, dude. And it's definitely disrespect for a guy who is just the most feared boxer in pff, almost two decades since Tyson before this last fight. So it's completely disrespectful. I don't but think, I don't, I don't it's within so. realms, but it's disrespectful <laughs> to him. I, how I'm just saying, like it's business, and maybe business is disrespectful, but it's business. That's, that's fair. Fury beat, <laughs> like, look, man, the bottom line is Fury beat that ass. So yep. he's got the right to say, I'm calling my shot because I figure I'm going to beat your ass again. Like, why wouldn't you do something like that? 
I don't think Fury's even looking past Deontay because the reality is all fighters look ahead to their next fight. Don't let anybody ever fool you and was like, no, man, I'm <laughs> focused on this fight. Yeah, during fight week maybe, but throughout the year, you're looking at guys that you want to take a shot at. Like, you, I guarantee you Errol Spence sits there and is like, man, I want to crack at Canelo. I know he does it. But you think, like, he can't say it during fight week because that opens up a whole nother can of worms. But to line up a fight for next year that's going to be the biggest fight in, like, U.K. history, and it'll be a massive heavyweight fight, it'll end up being the, one of the biggest heavyweight fights ever, to, to, to go ahead and start teasing that and put, putting those seeds out there because it does two things. One, it drums up interest in boxing. But two, it drums up interest in your next fight because everybody needs to see you win so that fight can happen. So for, for Deontay, all people are going to look at the Fury-Wilder fight because now if Fury loses, everything goes up in smoke. So now we have extra interest because we'll have an undisputed champion. And I don't know what Deontay is going to say in the buildup, but that's that's what makes people interested. Like Joshua Pulev has a new uh, coat of sheen of interest because that's what people want to see. Ooh, can he do it? Because we can get this big fight next year. Like the disrespect, shit. Who cares? It's like the NFL, man. You got a 16 game season, and are you not like if you're the Kansas City Chiefs and one week you're playing the fucking I don't know who's traitors. The Bears. How about that? One week oh, you're playing shit. the Bears, and then the next week you're playing Tampa Bay. Who's not looking ahead to, to facing Tom Brady next season? Like, let's just say that, that that's what it was. You, Yeah, you're going to say, yeah, I, gotta, I can't look ahead to Tom Brady because i got to focus on these Bears. Yeah, you can slip and lose to the Bears, but you're not really thinking about the Bears like that, no matter how good they are. You're thinking about the next fight. And, and Tyson Fury's not even thinking about it. He just wants to put it in the atmosphere and have it on his radar because, I mean – it might even be extra motivation, knowing that you can unify and be the undisputed champion because now you have the next biggest fight lined up. I never yep. believe in that shit where people say, um, you know, he's looking past his opponent unless the opponent's a bump. That's the only time that, that it actually happens is somebody doesn't train properly. But I don't even think they're looking past. They're just looking at the opponent like he's a bum. I don't have to train for this. But that's the only thing. I don't, disrespectful? Whatever. Get over it. Yeah, it's it's up to, in the end, it's up to Wilder to use it as fuel. Because if you don't, and you come in, and you lazy again, you take another ass whooping, it's all for not. Yeah, that's so I, that's on him. You you lost. Fury didn't lose, you did. And yeah. you made all the excuses talking about heavy suits and shit. Don't want to hear that. Get your ass out there and fight. <laughs> uh, you were spot on, though. Wilder should have stepped aside. And I think you look at what was done to Andrew Ruiz by Anthony Joshua and Joshua kind of running around and, you know, using technical boxing to beat Andrew Ruiz and then Ruiz stopping him in the first fight um, and then getting fat and lazy, even though he's with Eddie Reynoso right now and Team Canelo and all this stuff, I think it's a perfect time for Wilder could have been like, yo, give me this money to step aside and I'm going to fight Andy Ruiz. Because if I knock him out and beat him worse than Joshua did, it puts me on a platform ahead of Joshua. Yeah. And to build some intrigue. In case Joshua beats Fury, then I can say, yo, I beat the guy who beat you. And then you had to run from him, but I came in, starched him. So it gives him a bargaining trip to kind of drum up this interest. Um, I think that would have been the smarter move, but nonetheless, pride is a motherfucker. Yeah, get you get you messed up. And listen, man, I'm not saying it's a foregone conclusion that Fury's going to win. 
like I've said before, I just don't know what Deontay Wilder is going to do any different. Uh, he's always going to have the one hitter quitter, but with JD's is 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 his uh his cornerman. It's like, I dog, I don't know what really. I really don't know what you're going to do that that's that much different. You're not going to learn how to box like Tyson Fury overnight. You're going to rely on the same thing you relied upon. Maybe you set it up a little bit better. Maybe your legs are under you. But the fact remains that the first fight, you lost a lot of those rounds. If it wasn't for the knockdowns, you would have lost the fight. You can't rely on that against a guy who has got a steel chin. That makes it even worse. Yeah, that's the hard part. The guy got a steel chin. Everyone else probably drops, even from the punches he hit Fury with in the second fight. First round of the second fight. Fury ate him and said, I'm still going to beat your ass. So that's just crazy. The other point uh, that we saw this week in boxing, and we'll talk about this before we hit the break, is it's returned to television. It's on ESPN this week. Shakur Stevenson went out there, you know, took a, okay, I'm back, staying busy fight. Looked good. Nothing wrong with his hand. And it showcased one of the brightest young stars in boxing so people get to see him he had the whole night to himself it was really good the question now goes is Shakur Stevenson on the same level of these other guys we always talk about because I feel like we're always talking about Theofima we're always talking about you know uh Ryan Garcia Javante Davis Devin Haney who's probably my favorite out of the bunch and then Shakur is kind of an afterthought is he putting himself in that league and or does he have to fight one of those guys to really be taken at that level? No, I think he's in that league because I mean, let's be honest. Between uh, Teofimo, probably has fought the best competition out of those guys. Actually, he has. Javante uh, hasn't really fought anybody. Ryan Garcia, Fonseca knockout, cool, but and Duno, but yeah, he hasn't really fought anybody either. Even Devin Haney. Hasn't really fought anybody. So when you look at Shakur and people will say, well, you know, he hasn't really fought anybody. Yeah, the other ones haven't either. So T.O. Fimo was the only guy who fought Richard Comey, who has fought a few people. And I look at T.O. Fimo and I'm like, you know, right now, I think Devin Haney has the biggest upside. But I think the class right now is T.O. Fimo Lopez. Uh, Because he's fought people and he's... Look good doing it. He's got hands of steel and a great chin. There's everything that he has. Devin's got the greatest upside, but all of them, Javante, Ryan, uh, Devin, and Shakur, I need to see them getting a hit in the mouth one good time and how they react because it hasn't happened yet. Uh, Ryan got hit in the body and got hurt in his in one of his fights before he moved to the Reynosos. And he, he did okay, but his condition was trash. He's a different fighter now. But I need to see these guys get hit in the mouth by elite competition. Because fighting each other, they're going to get hit in the mouth. But fighting everybody else, like, look, there's guys out there like Leo Santa Cruz, because if that's the fight for Tank Davis, that'll give us an idea of where Tank is at. Leo doesn't really hit that hard, though. He just kind of overwhelms you with punches. But you need to step up in competition. All of them need to do it. So I think Shakur is right in that class, man. I think he's... Probably, well, no, he's definitely defensively better than all of them. He just doesn't hit, at, he doesn't sit on his punches as well as they do. But defensively, yeah. he's better than all of them. And I feel like this past fight showed, granted, the level of competition went down again, but this past fight showed that you might develop more pop the higher he goes in weight. 
Maybe. It's hard. He filled out. He he filled out a lot in this fight. The, I think it's not even the fill The thing about Shakur Stevenson is he has to shed the amateur fight style. Like the Olympic fighting style, like he has to, he had to shed that and sit down on his punches more because you fight and score points in amateurs. The problem, though, when moving up, unless your name is Manny Pacquiao, and we still, to this day, can't figure this one out, when you move up in weight, the knockout ratio goes down because two things happen. When you move up in weight, you fight better competition, and your hands don't grow. Your body grows, hands don't grow. Still the same size. Yeah. James Tony his hand already at 130. Yeah, like, oh James gosh. Tony was a phenomenal middleweight. It moved all the way up and fought Evander Holyfield heavyweight, but his hands were tiny. And even when he knocked yeah. out, like, Vasily Jirov, like, it was an accumulation of punishment, but he, his hands were small. He just didn't have big hands, and the power doesn't carry. Manny Pacquiao is just different. But nobody just runs up weight classes and scores more knockouts. You look at even Adrian Broner, who was a beast at 30 and 35. Then he fought at 40 and 47. Power wasn't there. Competition was better. The power just wasn't there. You couldn't rely on it anymore. So for Shakur, I'm not necessarily worried about the knockout power as, you know, I need to see him face better offensive opponents to see how he handles that. Because Floyd, Floyd chopped people down in lighter weight classes. And then he, he, didn't, he was a, a much more safe fighter. But every fight, every opponent has always said he can hit. I just, you know, he just doesn't step on the gas like he normally does. Shakur can be in that class, and I don't like the Floyd Mayweather comparisons because they're two completely different fighters. Their defensive styles are just completely different. The way they, they, they look for their shots are different. They're different. And I, so I don't like the comparisons. But I just think that Shakur on the defensive level is better than Tiafimo, Devin, Ryan, and Tank. I think Tank is like the worst defensively out of all of them. Yeah. Probably has the heaviest hands. Yeah, I would say so. I would say so. I would say him or Theofimo. I don't know. I don't know, man. Ryan could crack. That Ryan has quickness. Yeah. He he kills you with a, a shot you don't see more so than the power behind it. Yeah, Ryan like Ryan can punch and he's fast and it's like it's not always how hard you hit. But it's like how quickly you can hit because the worst punches opponents see are the ones that they don't see coming. So Ryan's really good with that. Tank like bludgeons people. Devin has like a fantastic jab that nobody can get around. Teofimo's got really hard hands too. Really hard hands. But yeah, I think Javante has the power. Devin has the pure skills. Teofimo has the seasoning and a fantastic chin. Shakur's got the defense. And Ryan's got the quickness. They'd be the perfect fighter. You put them all together. Yeah, they would. But you know, we'll see how this all plays out. <laughs> yeah, man. The different styles. That's that's what's great. Styles make fights, and hopefully, you know, they all stay at that elite level, so we can get a run. Like you know, we saw with the Durans, the Hearns, the Hagler. It's tough to get to that, you know, the Leonard's to that level. But if we can get that type of competition between these young kids, when they all reach 147, you know, it, it'll be special. It will. It'll be great, and they'll be young and then still in their prime, so that'll be good. Oh, and uh, there's, one other guy break. That, there's one other guy. There's one other guy. Who? Jerron Boots Ennis. Nobody talks about him. Enough. Oh, Boots. Like, nobody yeah. talks about Boots enough. Boots is already at 147. I'm just I'm just talking about young fighters. Like, there's actually, there's two. Jerron Boots Ennis and David Benavides. Everybody forgets David Benavides. Is well, like, you got to put Valdez in there, too, then. Yeah, well, how old's Valdez? 29? Yeah, no, I'm not putting him there. 28? Benavides is 22. Yeah, he's stupid, yo. 
Like he's crazy young, and that's I mean, obviously he fights at sixty eight, and and it's yeah. Valdez is twenty nine. Difference with Valdez though is that he went to the Olympics twice. Yeah, that's why he's a little older. But I put him in that same category because of you know kind of that still new shine. Yeah, I mean he's been a world champion. It's just. Again, you, see, you look at the guys like Benavidez has been a world champion. So, like, those young guys, they're that they're a new group and they can change boxing forever if they all stay the course. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, plenty of time to see how they all develop. We'll take a break real quick. When we come back, we got to talk UFC. We got to talk Fight Island. They're going to miss you not being on Fight no, Island. No, they're not. They are. I'm telling you, Dre. They, they're counting on you to go there. You still got about three hours to put in that application. <laughs> you guys stay right there. We'll be right back after the break. All right, we'll get back to the show in a second. But first, there is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and Bet Online is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. So looking for something else other than sports, Bet Online has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right, like we said, right after the break, which is now, we'll be talking UFC. And before we recap UFC 250 that happened last weekend, we have to talk about Fight Island. Wait, I'm actually getting my head on myself because you're not going to Fight Island. I guess it could wait. I take that back. We have to talk about disgruntled UFC fighters <laughs> who won't be fighting on Fight Island or anywhere else in the near future because they're all pissed off. John Jones threatens to retire or he wants to be released to go elsewhere and hit the free agent market because he's not being paid enough to fight Ngannou or anyone else. Triple C has retired because he can't get money that he deems justifiable for getting hit in the head every week. Conor McGregor hasn't even been offered a fight. I don't even know if it's about money. The man just wanted to fight. And they can't figure it out. And Dana's like, oh, he can sit back and wait. Because he didn't want to be a last-minute replacement. FYI, being a last-minute replacement isn't the norm. You shouldn't force fighters to be last-minute replacements. That's ridiculous. And then Jorge Masvidal, who actively asked for his release from the company. And then they moved on, and they were playing hot potato with the number one contender for the welterweight title until they landed on Gilbert Burns. They offered it to, like, three people. Yeah. So, you're part of the rankings. Sorry, Dre, throw that shit out the window. But even beyond the rankings, it's just... Throwing stuff at a wall and seeing what it sticks in terms of titles and title contention because Dana says the show will go on with or without stars. I don't know how you sell a pay-per-view product without stars. I mean, dude, I, I did a few shows last week about this. Uh, no, this week. Damn, how long has it been? Um, yeah, this week. I think that was Sunday, your press tour. <laughs> I, I don't know how long it's been. But, uh... <laughs> 
the problem with the UFC has always been, aside from the fact they don't know how to promote minority fighters and them being bad storytellers, is that they put the brand above everything else. The UFC, then Dana White, then the fighters. If you want to be big, you got to do it on your own, like Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor didn't get his biggest payday until he went to boxing. So yep. the UFC has like zero value in their fighters. I don't give a shit what Dana says. They don't value them. Which is why they can always go next man up. They don't care. Next man up. In the case of Masvidal, to be completely honest, Gilbert Burns deserves a title shot more than Masvidal does. Period. Who's Masvidal beat? Nate Diaz? Not ranked. Killed Ben Askren. Ben Askren was like fringe top 10. And it almost got mowed down by Robbie Lawler, who's been falling fast. Gilbert Burns... Ran roughshod over the former champ Tyron Woodley. Merited a title shot. That's there's no question about that in my mind in terms of pure merit. But this is the UFC we're talking about where merit goes completely the fuck out the window because Jose Aldo is fighting Peter Yan for the vacant bantamweight title, <laughs> and he's like three and four in his last seven fights. He's zero and one as a bantamweight. He lost to Marlon Moraes. And he's yeah, getting a title shot. Did somebody make it make sense. You can't go, Gilbert Burns deserved it, which he does. I have him ranked number one because of what he's done. Then you can then you go and say Jose Aldo deserves a title shot against Yan? Are you fucking nuts? Which will, will eventually lead us into 250. So the merit system's all messed up. But the bigger issue is like when we talk about this money. Look, I watched Dana White on Dana White on Dan uh, Libertard show. I watched <laughs> I, I watched Dana White get pissed off all week about being channel challenged. Dominic I'm Fox, here for that fight, by the way. Huh? I'm here for that fight. Oh, I'm here. Like Dominic Foxworth put him in a body bag. We just got like because he was you know Foxworth knows the thing about <laughs> players unions and labor and everything else, and he challenged Dana. Dana didn't like it at all. And he keep, and Dana keeps going back to this thing. It was like the fighters can show you how much they get paid. That's not up to me. That's up to them. That's fucking bullshit. You the UFC has been paying those fighters hush money for years. Yep. And you're gonna tell them, oh, well, you tell them how much they get paid. No, you should be disclosing that. Because if your fighters are upset about how much they're getting paid to defend your company, you should say how much they're getting paid. Because it's evident that they're not getting paid like boxers. And in some cases, that's fair because somebody on the fucking prelims should not be getting paid like Deontay Wilder money. But some of these disclosed persons are egregiously low. And I don't care what you pay on the back end because now you're getting criticized for it, not by the outside, because we've all been wondering why these fighters don't get paid forever. But now on the inside, Jones, Masvidal. Cejudo retires, even though Dana says he was happy. I don't believe that because Cejudo at the press conference says, you know my number, I'll come back. Yep. Uh, and who else are we missing? Jones, Masvidal, Cejudo retired. Somebody else. Connor. Connor. Connor, I think it's, it's a dual thing here because, no, he's not getting a fight, but it's, it's due to money because Dana White doesn't want to put his biggest attraction in the octagon in front of no fans. That's the dilemma. And because of that, Whatever Connor's asking price is, Dana's gonna try to lower it. It's it's dude, it's bullshit. It's bullshit. You can pay John Jones what John Jones wants. You've been using up John Jones all his career. 
And even though he's ran, a, a, like, completely rushed out over the rules of, of life by running over <laughs> pregnant women and Cheetos and popping and everything else, cocaine, he's done it all. But I said this with Connor and I said it with John. If you don't discipline him, it's going to come back to bite you in the ass. They, he never disciplined either of them. Never. He allowed him to come back. Slap on the wrist. Good to have John back. He's turning over a new leaf. What do you think he's going to do when he doesn't feel like he's getting paid? Because guess what? John Jones is the best fighter in the world. Hands down. No question. That man wants to move up to heavyweight? Because come on, man. Let's be honest. John Jones versus Jan Blackwich. Who the fuck wants to see that fight? Just another ass whooping. That's all it is. Now, yes. Now that he had the close fight with Dominic Reyes, you're going to say he should fight Dominic Reyes again. Okay. That's fair. But John beat Dominic Reyes. And he's effectively cleaned out the light heavyweight division two times over. If he wants to move to heavyweight, and there was some kind of agreement where you're going to pay him more to go up to heavyweight and take that risk, pay the man. Just pay him. Or release the figures and say what he wants and what he got before so we know where we're at so the media can stop asking you questions. You can't have it both <laughs> ways, dog. You can't. You just can't. No, you look at it, and it's it's so simple. They only pay out, I think the, someone crunched the numbers the other day, like 12, between 12 and 16%. 16%. Of 16% of their fight just earnings to the actual fighters. So total earnings of the company, 16% goes to fighters. You look at the worst professional organization, which what I, I think might be football, and they get 48 now. Mm-hmm. 48, 52 split. NBA is 50-50. Baseball might be higher than that. <sighs> Shit is crazy. I, I understand, but when you look at like, I understand that, like, certain sports have been around longer and it's escalation and someone has to jump and move the, the ball up. I, I get it. But when you look at baseball and then you look at Mike Trout and say, this guy's making $400 million to play baseball. But a guy who's the best in the sport getting punched in the face who sells pay-per-views for you. It's not... How many people are tuning into Angels games? This man actively sells pay-per-views for you. How do you not justify paying him more than a disclosed one mil? This other guy's making 40 a year. I I, I don't understand that. That's what I'm saying. Like, Dana says thing like, he keeps using this pandemic as an excuse, right? But you got money from all the shit before March. Pandemic just got here. It ain't hurting your business that bad not yet no not yet but it's not it's not it's not hurting it that bad nope. like all the reports about you know endeavor being unhappy, blah 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 true but they have a tv deal they, they may not be doing the gangbuster pay-per-view numbers from about six seven years ago but they're still doing numbers they're still making money the company's not broke so the, the using the pandemic even when john said i'll wait i'll fight in Ghana when things clear up that's fine like, you can't use that as an excuse. Just say, I don't want to pay him because I'm a shrewd businessman, and that's how I got rich. Because that's really what the answer is. It's shrewd business. No, he doesn't want the players to unionize. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want to have, like, a, a collective bargaining agreement with his fighters. 
Because you know what happens if they get a collective bargaining agreement? Reebok is getting the fuck out of here. I think Reebok might be done anyway. They are, but all Dana's going to do is find another company to do the same type of deal they do with Reebok. The fighters would need to stand up and say, look, I need full transparency on that deal, and then we need to split it. I don't want no, like, if I fight this many times, it's how much I get. No, that money needs to come to us now. Because you're taking our, away our ability to get sponsors inside the cage. Like, boxers don't deal with that shit. No. Boxers can, you know, I remember once upon a time, there was all kind of condom depot and things on your back. It's crazy. <laughs> but it, it was, Yeah, they spray painted themselves, right? Like, their actual body. Yeah, trunks is crazy. Like, you know, that... The UFC taking away that to, for this uniform Reebok deal and paying these fighters like nickels because the Reebok deal is not cheap. It's a humongous deal. Dana doesn't want to see a collective bargaining agreement. And guys like Masvidal, when you put him in there with Nate Diaz, who got the grub by Conor McGregor, and you do this fake-ass BMF title, it bites you in the ass because now he wants more. Yep. I mean, come on, man. Like... And they set the precedent of ripping up contracts mid-contract. Yeah, like you, that's another Conor McGregor thing. He started re- renegotiating mid-deal. It's like, and they man. they let him do it every time, and now others are doing the same. You you can't you can't have it both ways. You can't say he signed a contract, but then for this fighter you rip a contract up. You can't say that, or you can't say I I negotiate. Like either you tell us what he's getting paid, either you draw a hard line in the sand and say, look. This is the contract, and then, I mean, there could be a whole arbitration thing like baseball. So there needs to be something there, but this is where the fighters have to step up. And now you have John Masvidal, you probably get Cejudo involved, and you, you bring them to, they can head the union. Or they can, they can be the front of the union, and then you can take somebody who really has business sense and handle it and create a, a true fighters union where they figure out how much they're getting or or they strike like baseball basketball and everybody else strike yep you know how bad it would hurt the ufc if they had a strike well there's nowhere else to pluck from necessarily because you can't get bellator people no that's what i'm saying you can't get one people like your drop off is drastic well not only that but let's the fun part the place where you work at espn y'all have a tv deal with the espn to televise x amount of fights if there ain't no fighters fighting you can't fulfill that deal yeah, the, the fighters have more leverage than they know. Absolutely. If they stood united. Yep, that, that's it. But, man, that's I mean, it's how you control a slave, man. That's how you control the house Negroes versus the field Negroes. You let the house Negroes in the house, you give them a cup of tea, and it's like, you got it good. You're still a slave. <laughs> yep. And the house Negroes they, turn on everybody they else. They're scared to death to be a field Negro. Yes, they're scared to death. They don't want to go back. So, yeah. Yep. Get, I mean, they have to so They out. take just enough. So, I, I don't know. It's it's wild to see. Um, all right. Here we are. Fight Island. How am I supposed to phrase Because you're clearly not going. Oh, man. So, I have to rethink. Fight Island. How long do you think this is feasible? Is this one and done? No. Because this is, this is why I'm thinking, like, okay, you're not going. but And I'm not going. But... It would be funny to go, because I'm not sure if this lasts more than, what, these f- four planned fights. I mean, that's true. It, it it all depends on travel. And do you go back? You you come back and go back? Or are they staying for a month? 
I don't talk. I don't know. I have media f- members are fucking crazy if you stay in for a month. I, yo, I don't know. It's kind of like the whole NBA thing that you know the, the players yeah. are finding out they're going to be trapped in Disney World forever, and they're like, "Oh shit, I can't leave." Like, yeah. I wonder if the fighters have any. Well, the media members have any idea what they're getting into. Listen, don't <laughs> Marcus Vandenberg. Don't threaten me with a good time. Nah, I'm just saying. Abu Dhabi, Disney. I want to go home. First of all, I don't got to pay for Disney World. So it's not like I, I would have to then pay every day to get in and out of the parks. That's just free for me anyway. So, yeah, if I'm a month at Disney World, I'd go every day. But can and I'm not even, like, this the, biggest I mean, that's the problem. Disney they have restrictions. Like, the NBA has restrictions on what they can do, what buses they can ride, where they can go, where they can eat, all that stuff. So they're basically incarcerated, and they play jail basketball. Until September 30th. Well, some of the teams will be eliminated well before that. But if you make it to the final, like, how many teams, like, I know we're completely sidetracked, but how many players like Carmelo Anthony are going to be like, ah, fuck this, I want to go home and just, like, lose games so you can go home? We're not going to win the championship anyway. What am I doing? Yeah, just wasting time. <laughs> like, what am I doing? What am I doing here? I just want to go home and see my kids. The, the key would be is if they do it like baseball, and say like, yo, if you get through your whole season, you get paid your check. Like, cause if you, you'd play for your pe- playoff bonus, and money that you haven't had the past four months without playing a game. That I don't know, but when when it comes to Fight Island, and then we'll talk about UFC 250. When it comes to Fight Island, I I just this can only last a month, maybe. It just really depends on the travel restrictions moving forward. Because the funny thing is. Like, when you look at the card this weekend, this, this Jessica I, Cynthia Calvillo fight, and you look up and down that card, you realize how much the UFC really relies on international fighters. If they didn't have Fight Island, whoa, the well would be dry quick. Super quick. Yeah. Like, now, so much talent is from now the UK, always been from Brazil. Mexico has pumped out a ton of talent. You heavily rely on people from other places. Yeah, you got to have it. So they have to do Fight Island until travel restrictions are lifted. And then everybody's more comfortable coming to the States or wherever the hell they're going to go to host fights. So it could last beyond July. Like, it could last into the fall. Maybe. I just know my black ass ain't going nowhere. <laughs> I feel like they might have good food on Fight Island. I you might be it. missing out. Have, you've eaten the media food. Come on, man. That's true. Nah, the Mayweather special. Like if, I'm in, if I'm in Abu Dhabi and they're feeding me the Mayweather special, that's it. I'm just catching the next flight home. They're like, yo, what happened? Like, yo, I could I could take the heat. I could take a couple of shitty fights. I couldn't take the food. Can't take the Mayweather special. <laughs> I can't. Can't do it. Um, all right, let's talk about UFC 250 to wrap up the show. And we'll go through the main card that happened it was an exciting main card. For people who tuned in, you got your money's worth from this pay-per-view. Started off, Sean O'Malley versus Eddie Wineland. Wineland, former WEC champion, been around, a vet, has over three times the experience of Sean O'Malley. And O'Malley was just so calm, so, so calculated, and just fucked him up so easily. First round KO, at this point, O'Malley's making it all look easy. And his next one, I'd say give him a guy in the top 10. Like, just see what he has. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, 
The combin well, the punch that he landed on Wineland, the way he set it up by fainting the uppercut was a thing of beauty. Um, and he, he transitions his striking so effortlessly. We haven't seen him put on his back, which makes you immediately start thinking about Conor McGregor, who was a devastating striker, who didn't have to deal with any wrestlers, who was a star. Like, immediately makes you think of that. And although there's, like, distinct differences in how they fight and who they are, I think it's fair to say, like, O'Malley seems like a player because he's, dude, the, the length? Kid is tall and long. Yep. And has incredible power. I don't know what it's going to be. Like, that division is stacked. Like, they should have called UFC 250, not Nunez, Spencer's murder spree. They should have called it, like, Enter the Bantamweights, because that's what this card was all about. <laughs> like, it was, noth- it was nothing but exceptional Bantamweight fights and then a complete ass woman. But O'Malley, I, I mean, he should get a quick turnaround. Um, I'd have to even look at the rankings to see who he should fight, because... He should be, you know, if it's not the top 10, it should be just outside of the top 10 if he gets a quick turnaround fight. Just makes sense, man. He's he's that good. It was a hell of a knockout. So, I mean, I know he talked about with Ariel fighting Cody Garbrandt. I don't think he's ready for the, I'm not saying he's not ready for the fight. I don't think he need to do that fight right now. But I can see that fight happening. And I'd Yeah, it's not, it's not as dangerous because he doesn't have to worry about being taken down. No, it's a striking match. So you look at the top 10. <sighs> Damn, Dominic Cruz dropped down to 12th. Yeah, I mean. He just had a title fight. Yeah, it's just hard because he had been inactive for so long. For me, like I look when I look at this. John Dodson's a good fight. I think Cody Stammen's a good fight. Cody Stammen's a great fight at 10. Um, Jimmy Rivera. Jimmy's been sliding a little bit. I would I would probably go with Cody Stammen if I didn't. Like, Dotson, eh, he's been up and down. Song is Dong has been up and down. But I think somebody like Cody Stammen has won a couple. Well, Pedro Munoz, I mean, he lost to Aljo. Uh, yeah, I probably stay with, I probably wouldn't book him against Munoz either. I'd probably go with Cody Stammen. Stammen fought on that card as well. No, did he fight on that card? Or the week before? I don't know. These fights, week before, I think. These fights all blur together. Uh, he fought in a catchweight fight. And well, he, he says he's going back down to Bantamweight. He's small. Got a little teeth. No, it's that card. Oh, yeah. Yep. Featherweight. Yeah. Beat Brian Keller. Okay, that's right. So, yeah, he's going back down to Bantamweight, even though he looked great at 45. But uh, I think that's a fight to make. Sean O'Malley and Cody Stammer, they just both came off of wins. They were on the same card. They'll have the same time to get ready. That's the fight. That's the fight. And then Sean O'Malley probably washes him up, and he's in the top ten. <laughs> Probably watch them, he does. Yeah, I mean that's a good way to jump, you know, to number ten real quick. So I mean, tough fight still, but yeah, no, I think that's a, a good opponent. Um, the next fight on the card, Neil Magny, cool. Neil Magny does what Neil Magny does: close fights, wins decisions. Yeah, yeah I mean, nobody cares. Like no. the thing about uh, Neil Magny is he just he, like I don't think the man has ever sat down on a punch in his life. <laughs> Just pot shot people. No, he just he's, he's always moving and like slap boxing. It works because he's long and rangy. He's got pretty good grappling, but man, throw a fucking punch with conviction. I just want to see what happens. I miss the days of slap boxing. You just sent me back to like a nostalgic <laughs> mood. Like I don't think kids nowadays even slap box. No. So what's wrong with these new whippersnappers? Yeah, they don't slap box. They don't know nothing about going body. 
and just beat the hell out of each other. No face shots. These kids are just weak nowadays. Um, next fight, to me, the most impressive fight of the night. So, yeah, you have knockouts. Yeah, you have domination. Aljamain Sterling came into this fight, a fight he shouldn't have had to take. He should have had a title shot. Dangerous fight, dangerous opponent, tons of momentum for Corey Sanhagen. Came in, wrapped his ass up, human backpack style, in a minute and 28 seconds. To me, it's the most impressive performance of the night. And now it's unquestioned that he should get the next title shot. Yeah, like he shouldn't have even been in this. Well, he should have been in this fight. <laughs> Not with Jose Aldo in that, the next one. That's why. Like, that, again, Marlon Moraes should be fighting Yan for the title. But yep. here we are. Because Aldo's got to get one back against Moraes for head kicking him into oblivion. But Moraes won. He beat Jose Aldo. Well, that's what, well I'm, what I'm saying is Aldo needs to get it back against Moraes. You remember Brace head kicked him into oblivion. Yeah, but hopefully they don't do that without I know. one of them getting the title I know. shot. I know. Aljo gets the next title shot. Like, yes, this was incredibly impressive. Because what Aljo did was open the fight, immediately close the distance with a high-volume striker, and just wrapped his ass up. Like, he wasted no time getting at him. There was no real filling out session. He didn't want uh, Sanhagen to start just like throwing punches and strikes and setting things up and warming up. He just took him cold and tied him up. Aljo is dangerous for a lot of this division. Like I, I said last week that I worry about his striking. I still do against like guys like Marais and Yan and even Cody Garbrandt. But if he gets on you, that wrestling and coupled with his jujitsu and his submissions, he's tough, man. He's tough. Tough. Yeah, so that was super impressive. Uh, I would have liked to see some stand-up, but who needs it? Who needs it when you just wrap someone the hell up? And there's a lot of good strikers, like you just mentioned, in its division. There's no one like Aljo. So having that that luxury of, yo, they've, this guy hasn't prepared for anyone like me, that goes a long way. Because the guy has been constantly preparing for people who can knock him out. This is a, a whole different level. So I liked what Aljo did. Shout out to him. Been rooting for him for a long time. Both of us have. So it's nice to see him, you know, get a shot. That's all you can ask for in these situations. Get a shot. And he's going to get a title shot. We'll see if he brings the, the gold back. Uh, it's always nice to see a black champion. Fuck it. I said it. It's, how, <laughs> it's where we are nowadays. Um, bantamweight, again, in the co-main. Also criminal, that Aljo wasn't even the co-main. Which, like, we discussed that last week. I ain't going over Yeah, that. fucking crazy. But this fight came through. Cody Garbrandt, Asun Sao. Garbrandt was way more calm, way more collected. To me, even hesitant for much of the fight. And then with one second left in the second round, just uncorked one hell of a right hand from his ankles. He threw that shit from Ohio to Las Vegas. And caught a sun out clean on the chin. And that was all she wrote. Walk off. This, I mean, look. He left Team Alpha Male to get with Mark Henry and Ricardo Almeida. Learn how to be patient. Because that's, that's what we've been asking for. He's been going to war with two fights with Dillashaw and then the, the Munoz fight. Got knocked out in all three. Not because he's not skilled. It's because he's an impatient fucker. Like, he just doesn't know how to wait. Like, wait your turn. And now he fights the Sun Sal, and in the first round, 
He puts like his excellent boxing together, footwork, hand speed, everything. Second round is a little bit more tentative. And then he went with a goddamn Mortal Kombat charge uppercut that sends you into like a bed of spikes. Like he hit him with that shit at the buzzer. Look, man, O'Malley had the knockout. Like people were like, O'Malley might have knockout of the gear. Cody Garbrandt took that shit. That was, that was one. I mean, at the buzzer. Yeah, the walk off style of it was just right at the buzzer. Yo, that's fucking beautiful. This reminds me of Justin Gaethje. When Gaethje got slowed down and started seeing it in real time instead of trying to kill everybody from the opening bell, he became a scary, scary fighter. Now yeah. he's in line for it to beat Khabib. Cody Garbrandt's along the same lines. When Cody Garbrandt fought Dominic Cruz, patient, calm, styled on Just him. beautiful. Then he, he let emotion take over, fought Dillashaw, got into one too many exchanges, got knocked out twice. Twice. In fights that he could have won if he stayed on the outside and fought. And I think, if I remember correctly, when we talked about those fights, I said that's what we end up doing in against the Dillashaw. Was yep. his emotion. The emotions. But now he's calmed and down. And each time he rocks him and rushed in and then got yeah, fucked up. Yeah, so now he's calm. This, this is very Justin Gaethje-like. Because Gaethje yeah, got I'm- knocked out by Poirier and Eddie Alvarez. And some people wrote him off. And it was like, no, slow him down. Let him be a little bit more cautious. Now he knows he just can't knock people's heads off. And then you saw what Justin Gaethje did against Tony Ferguson. You saw what Cody Garbrandt did against Rafael Sunsau. The fight to make is Cody Garbrandt and Marlon Moraes. Give me that fight, like, tomorrow. Yeah, why not? It's number one. What the hell else are they doing? Somebody's getting knocked out. I'm just saying. It's like the number one to the number one contender fight, right? Because we know Aljo's the yep. number one contender. Yan versus, I mean... I mean, Aljo. Yeah versus Aldo's happening in Fight Island. And Garbrandt doesn't want to sit around too long. You fight Marlon Moraes, that's the number one contender. That's it. That's that's yep. it. That's it. Easy. Easy. Let's do it. No, I like that. That's just an easy transition. Makes all the sense in the world. Hopefully they'll put that on, like, the August card with <laughs> DC. That's why they DC. won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's, like... There's no more veterans to just parade in there. The only other option is Dominic Cruz said he wants to run it back. No. And Cruz gets in there with Garbrandt, but I don't, I don't no. see that. No, like Dominic Cruz, because he got knocked out by Cejudo, fast stop is whatever, a loss is a loss. Dominic Cruz just needs to fight Corey Sanhagen. You got to work your okay. way back up, bro. Yeah, a little longer too for that, but all right. Um... Main event, the GOAT, Amanda Nunez, Felicia Spencer. I'll repeat what everyone else has said. Spencer can take one hell of an ass whooping. And she was saved by the bell at the end of the fourth because that was a deep ass rear naked choke that Amanda had on her. But there wasn't a second of this fight where Amanda was in trouble. No, this was all. This was crazy. 25-minute ass whooping. They could have stopped this fight at the end of the fourth. And the third. Could have. They could have, but they yeah. didn't. They kept trotting Felicia out there, and she just kept getting her ass whooped. I can't recall Felicia Spencer landing anything of note. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I really do. You know how disheartening it is to be tough as nails and get your ass whooped for 25 minutes? And then in, like, the fifth round, Amanda was kind of sat there and was like, you know what? 
I, I felt like she had some restraint because she like catch leg kick instead of punching her face. She just kind of dump her on the mat. It was just like, come on. It was like you know, if she was really big sistering her. Yeah. Like she was really like put you know put the hand at her head and be like stop chill you're not gonna win this one. She's the best. I mean, it is time. Even though we're in the midst and she can still lose a fight. It is time that we have a conversation about removing the women's qualifier to one of the best pound-for-pound fighters of all time. She's not just a great women's fighter. She's unbelievable. She's beaten everybody. I don't know who's left. A, a, run, a fight with Durandamy again? Uh, I mean, Shevchenko at 135? That ain't happening. Look... If Bullet did you, wants to say, you know what, fuck it, I got so close, I want to be a champ champ. Did you see Amanda at 45? Did you look at oh. her? Oh, yeah. I don't know if she goes back. <laughs> like, yo. Like, there's two things at, at work here. One, Amanda was a giant at 145. Two, Amanda's about to have a baby. Which means she'll be gone I mean, for a while. Technically, her wife is having I'm just saying, but Amanda's not. She's in no rush to fight. She's about to enjoy that baby. And in enjoying that baby, I cannot foresee her trying to stay anywhere near 35. And if you're Valentina Shevchenko, she's too small for 35. It's the only reason why Amanda beat her. Shevchenko's too small. So it's like, why would Shevchenko go up just to lose again? Because now Amanda's like, if Amanda were to make weight, which is even a tough task in itself... Imagine what Amanda blows up to on fight night. Oh, that was the thing. She looked like she came in comfy. <laughs> like, yo. But not out of shape. Not at all. Not out of shape because she, she went to 25 easy. With, like, she went to 25 minutes bouncing punches off of Felicia Spencer's head for every second of 25 minutes and was cool. Like, the, the cardio things that we used to talk about a couple of years ago, it's gone. It's gone. The girl, she, she, the cardio issues are done. She's the most dangerous woman in MMA. Her, well, and Shevchenko's oh. 1B. Because Shevchenko with that <laughs> weight class is completely unbeatable. It is. It's. I don't know who could beat her. I would say running back Cyborg. But Cyborg's not there. <laughs> so so what, what? do? Yeah, what? You have no other options. Trot Holly home out for another ass whooping. Um, Megan Anderson. Come on, man. Megan Anderson lost to Felicia Spencer. Yeah, but I mean, she looked better in her last fight. I'm not trying to do MMA math. Like, if she runs off another win, then maybe she looked really good in her last fight. Uh, just and for a long time, people were like, "Oh, wait until she comes from Invicta." Yeah, but man, there's levels to this shit. And there okay. was like Cyborg and Amanda. And then Amanda watched Cyborg. So it's like, who's left? It's, it's really a who's left thing. She has cleaned out two divisions. One of them did barely exists, but two divisions. Cleaned them out. There's nobody there for her to fight. No. She's, she's the GOAT. Like, if she retired, oh, man. It would be like the conversations about where she sits on pound for pound all the time. Whoo. She's... She's getting to top five. I'm just like... I, Range. It's scary. Like, clearing out two divisions and defending the title in both, which hasn't been done. People who've won titles. 
But to f- defend both successfully, that shit's crazy. It's dark. It is nuts. And I think the most important thing about Amanda Nunez is I remember her watch. I remember watching the Cat Zingano fight, and I remember interviewing Amanda Nunez before she lost to Cat Zingano. And I remember Amanda saying something to the effect of, one day I'm going to beat Ronda Rousey. And I remember sitting there in my head going, get the fuck out of here. And then she lost <laughs> to Kat Zingano. And then it clicked. She, go, she, she took her training differently. She was at the American Top Team. And then she just became a monster. Because she had lost four fights up to that point. And then she, that person doesn't exist anymore. That version of Amanda Nunez, I don't know who that person is. This version's scary. But she had to lose. And people will look at that record and be like, ah, oh, she's not that good. She lost. doesn't work like that in MMA, people. Yep. She showed no, incredible it's... improvement. When you hit that stride, it, you could be a completely different person. And she is. I so, don't know. Like, this woman is... You couldn't have, you couldn't have sold this idea to me when she lost Kat Zingano. You could have been like, yo, Amanda's going to be the best fighter of the world. I'm like, yeah. like, that'd be like saying, I'm just going to pick a random fighter right now. That'd be like saying, Yan Blackovich is going to be the most dominant light heavyweight of all time. Seriously. <laughs> it's along the same lines. Because she was good, but she lost some fights. But then, you know, if Yan was like, yo, I'm going to smoke John Jones one day, you're like, get, man, shut up. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. And then she does it. And not only does she beat Ronda, she beats Misha, she beats Holly, she beats Durandami, and then she kills Cyborg. She beat every champion the UFC has ever had between 125 and 145. Right. And you had Shevchenko beat some of them twice. Come on, man. They, <laughs> 125 through 135. This, the, anybody who wants to try to take away from Manny Nunez's legacy is nuts. And I'll say it once, and I'll say it again. The UFC dropped the ball on this one. Because now it's too late. I was going to say, she's hitting her Nah, shot. it's too late. It's too late. You had your opportunity to build her with Ronda. Because that cyborg fight, think about it. If you built her for the Ronda fight, and then she crushes Ronda like she did. And then she has the fight with Shevchenko. And then, like, you build towards this cyborg fight. And there's no way in hell, because if you remember, Cyborg versus Nunez was the co-main event. That should have never was. happened. That was Yeah, that's crazy. That was on the UFC's watch. They dropped the ball. Because now you can't promote somebody because there's not even any interesting fights. You had the opportunity from the Misha Tate knockout when she won the title. You had the opportunity from that point, because she was your champion, there's no excuse not to do this, to build her as the best in the world. At that point, you say Ronda's coming back, but she's fighting the woman who is now the champion. You didn't even include her in the fucking advertisements. Then she beats Ronda. Then she fights Shevchenko twice. And you don't even build that fight. Like, you waited until the Cyborg fight happened to say, ah, yeah, she's probably one of the best. What are you doing? Yeah. They dropped the ball. They fucked this one up. Big time. And now, listen, if she, you know, when she becomes a mom, she's like, yo, I just spent all my time with my babe. Like, what the fuck are you going to do? You know, so it they painted themselves in a corner. We shall see how long she'll be there, and we'll see if they pay her like the goat. That's another half of the battle. Yeah, they're not. They're gonna say you're not a draw, like the UFC always does. You're not a draw. Shut up. Yep, it, it, it's gonna be tough sooner or later. You gotta keep people happy. So, nah, it's uh that was 
UFC 250. They have a card this weekend, but no need for us to do a preview of it. We'll just recap it next week. We touch everything. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Shout out to the shout out to the sponsor. Shout out to the network, Blue Wire. Thank you guys for tuning in and listening to us. We appreciate it. Check out all of our episodes for the past couple of weeks. We talked some good talk, especially with the protests still going on. Black Lives Matter today, yesterday, and forever. So make sure we keep moving the message out there. You guys stay safe. It's still a pandemic outside. Don't catch Corona. We need every listen we can get, and we appreciate all of you guys. Until next time, though, we're out. Peace. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.